What is up, my dudes? Welcome to Olympia Oddities. I'm Trista. And I'm Steven. And today, we're back at it again with another true crime episode that once again proves that sometimes truth can be way stranger than fiction. Today, we're covering not just one disappearance, but two. George and Edwin Pooler were brothers who both went missing within two years of each other in Washington State. And even stranger, the police do not feel as if their disappearances had anything to do with each other and think that they were two totally separate events. That's really weird. Isn't that weird? That's a yeah, that's really weird. You got two brothers disappearing within two years of each other, and they think that they're just it just completely, completely unrelated. separate. I just that's just completely separate incidences is just that's crazy. While one of the disappearances has a conclusion, one remains unsolved. And the details in the one that was solved are, well, absolutely bananas. Let's get into the partly solved, partially unsolved disappearances of Edwin and George Pooler. The brother who went missing first was George Wayne Pooler. He went missing on November 18, 1988, from a tavern in Omak, Washington. He was 37 years old at the time of his disappearance. The tavern was located near the southeastern corner of Main Street and Central Avenue, and George was last seen leaving the tavern in his car, a blue 1982 Toyota station wagon, along with two other men. This was the last time that George Pooler was heard from, and there were little leads in the case immediately, other than trying to figure out who the two men were that he left with that night. Investigators did get another lead soon, when George Pooler's, when George Pooler's blue station wagon was found three miles outside of Omak. The car had been set on fire and burned, but there was still no sign of George. Linda Tenasket, who is Edwin and George's sister, believes that one of the men had been angry or perhaps jealous of a relationship George was having with a woman, and she believes that that could have been their motive to harm George. She has also allegedly been told by a witness to the events that night that George had been stabbed to death by one of the two men. That brings us to two years later, on April 14, 1991. Edwin Pooler was last seen in the company of one woman and three men at the last place he was seen, which was the Alice Flats HUD site in Keller, Washington. George and Edwin's sister Linda recalled seeing Edwin earlier in the day to the Spokesman Review, whose article we used as one of our sources for this episode. She said that, It was during the Keller rodeo. He'd been drinking a lot. I saw him walking down the road, and I pulled over and I talked to him. He said he was planning on going to the rodeo. When he didn't arrive, his loved ones weren't immediately concerned because Edwin had a habit of going no contact for a while and then popping back up. Linda had said that he and George would just take off for a while, sometimes go up to Canada, and just disappear for a few days. But as the days ticked on with no sign of Edwin, everyone began to become concerned. He had recently had a relationship fall apart, and while he was the father to two teenage sons and a daughter, he was currently living alone and struggling with alcoholism. He'd gotten involved with a church in the previous year in, a, in an attempt to fight back against it and was even baptized, but he was still deeply troubled by the disappearance of his brother two years ago. After a few weeks without sign of Edwin, his sister reported him missing to the Colville Tribal Police. And horrifyingly, the police originally accused her of making the entire thing up. They were originally convinced that it was some sort of hoax to draw more attention to George's disappearance. This is in sorry, I've been very quiet this entire time because it's just been confusing and like just just it's been weird. 
it's been super weird because it's weird because the disappearances both do have similarities where it's like they were at a location they left they both left with a group of people and then they're just gone but yeah i just can't imagine how traumatic it would be to have two of your siblings disappear and when you go to try to report the second one the police are like we don't believe you you're making this up just to get more attention on your first brother's disappearance that would be just completely stupefying like, I, I, I wouldn't know, even know what to do with to, myself having to deal with that bullshit on top of like where where do you go from there Seriously. you know what i mean it's like okay well i've told the police that they're missing and they do nothing about it it's like cool well, i'm alone i guess i gotta go like scan the forests now <laughs> she told the spokesman review that they kind of mocked me she said they didn't believe me when i said eddie was missing too they thought we were hiding eddie out they were just acting like he wasn't gone Linda immediately worried that foul play could have been involved in Edwin's disappearance and tried to stress her concerns about that to the police. Edwin had previously gone to prison for robbery years before he disappeared, but he was known to use drugs and hang out with people who deal drugs and users of them. Linda explained that because he was no Mr. Nice, the police had assumed that he'd gotten into trouble and went into hiding. Edwin Pooler had actually lost his left eye in some sort of accident while working in the woods, and he had had it replaced with a glass eye. He used this glass eye as the butt of many jokes, including one bit where he would take his glass eye out and set it by his beer as he went to the bathroom, joking that he was keeping an eye on his drink. That's kind of badass. I think it's funny. That's badass. <laughs> At the time of his disappearance, though, Edwin no longer had his glass eye as it fell down the drain one day as he was washing his face. Oh, damn. I never even thought about the possibility of that happening. Neither did I. That's crazy. Linda Tenasket was frustrated with the police's lack of response and urgency, so she hung up missing person flyers herself. She noticed that almost as soon as she would post them up, someone was taking them down. She was quoted as saying, I think the guilty ones don't want to see those reward posters. When she wasn't at work, she was working on her own investigation into her brother's disappearances. She would go to bars and, she, and see if she could hear any rumors about what had happened to them. She would even buy people beers if they were able to provide her with leads. It's like, it, it's really like, it, it, it's amazing. It shows like how what, like determined and brave and courageous she is that like she could do that and like lead this investigation herself. But it's like, that is not the job of this poor sister who should be focused on like. Oh, hell no, it's not. You know, like just trying to cope with the fact that two of her brothers are missing. She shouldn't have to be going into bars and trying to talk to murderers face to face herself you know what i mean that's ridiculous she was actually able to get someone to admit to her that edwin was dead and the identity of who killed him but the person in question had later died of natural causes linda kept a careful record of interview notes police reports and news clippings about her brothers she said that once the tribal police had actually reached out to her for copies of george's reports that their office had misplaced of course Sometimes the incompetency, it just... She says of the file that if you read and go through this file, you'd say, oh my gosh, how come they didn't solve these right after they disappeared? Several people were able to provide Linda with potential locations of her brother's remains, so Linda and her husband would go on searches themselves of these areas. She said, we've dug up so many areas all over this reservation. I figure I've gone on 30 or 40 digs. Damn. They once found a promising lead in the, in the form of bones in a tarp, but the remains turned out to be from an animal. 
And taking the search efforts into their own hands wasn't without danger because Linda recalled one time where someone actually fired a shot at her but missed and they were able to make it off to their car and take off to safety. Eesh. Linda Tenasket was eventually able to convince the tri- the Colville Tribal Police to post a $3,000 reward in exchange for information that helped solve George or Edwin's murders. That reward prompted someone to come forward with a name, James H. Gallagher Jr. Besides the reward, another important detail encouraged this witness to come forward. James Gallagher was about to be freed from the prison where he was currently held. James Gallagher had an extensive criminal background including charges of theft, assault, robbery, sexual assault, drunk driving, and weapons offenses. Linda said that people who live up here are afraid of these killers and they're afraid to talk, but they need to know these cases can be solved if people come forward and tell authorities what they know. In May of 2007, James Gallagher admitted to the murder in court. Gallagher would occasionally allow Edwin to stay at his house, and that's where the murder occurred. The reason that Gallagher provided for the murder, though, was incredibly strange. And really buckle up and brace yourself for this one, because as I was reading it, I was like, what? And I I feel like there has to be... I feel like we're not getting the real story here. But this is what he says happened. Gallagher says that Edwin was taking a pee inside of his living room, and some of the pee got onto Gallagher's infant daughter. What the hell? So then he punched Edwin in the head, which resulted in a broken neck. (laughs) He also claims that he did not mean to kill Edwin and that this death was an accident. This is like a Hell's Angels story. This is literally, or like a mob story. No, this is, no, 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 no. No, this is a Hell's Angels story. I, I just, what? This is like literally some like motorcycle club shit that you'd hear that is like an obvious cover up for what actually happened and you'll never know what actually happened. In May of 2009, Gallagher was sentenced to six years in prison after pleading to involuntary manslaughter. Police have never found a connection between Edwin's murder and George's disappearance. Edwin's body still remains missing. In the Spokesman Review article that was our main source for this episode, Linda Tenasket stressed how important it was to her brother's body's home. She explained to the reporters that, You have to bury him, or his soul is still wandering and not at rest. In our hearts, he's still lost. George Pooler would be 71 years old now, and he is a Native American man, 5'6", about 150 pounds. He has brown hair and brown eyes. He wore glasses with a wire frame and also had tattoos on both arms and shoulders. Edwin Pooler would be 76 years old now and is also Native American, 5 foot 7, 120 pounds. He also had brown hair and brown eyes, along with his very distinct missing left eye. If you have any information about the disappearances or murder of Edwin or George Pooler, you can contact Colville Tribal Police Department at 509-634-2490. We hope that the family of George and Edwin are able to get the closure that they deserve for the both for both of these cases and the return of their loved one's bodies someday. Thank you for listening to Olympia Oddities. Make sure you check out our new Tea Public shop where you can get yourself some sweet merch. We got a couple fun designs on there. I'm a big fan of like our uh the podcat design that we did. Oh yeah, no, that's one of my favorites too, actually. We got like a nice like little cabin scene with like it's kind of like a play on like our traditional purple logo, but in black and white. I love it. We got a big variety it's on there. One. The werewolf one. That's a good one. That's too. a good yes. one. Uh, you can search Olympia Oddities Podcast or find the link to our Tee Public shop in our Instagram bio, which is also at Olympia Oddities Podcast. 
Be sure to follow our podcast so you get all of the paranormal, true crime, and cryptic goodness right in your feed. And if you want to help us out a ton, you can do that by leaving us a five-star rating. I'm Trista, and my personal Instagram is at SaloonGhost. I'm Steven, and you can find me at the Steven Ramirez. And until next time, friends.